Ineffably Yours, Part 1, by Secondhand News. Chapter 13, Seaside Rendezvous. Read by Quanit. July 1982, Brighton. It was precisely too early in the morning when a frantic buzz at the intercom woke Crowley from a dreamless sleep. Whether or not he technically needed it, catching a full eight hours on the weekend nights was a routine he was loath to depart from. Stalking out of his bedroom and into the hallway that led to the front door, he clapped one hand over the intercom and hissed into it, rolling his eyes when he heard a voice come tumbling through that was far too cheery for dawn. Two minutes later came a bright rapping against the door. Curly swung it open to find a Xerophel standing there, a folded tartan blanket over one arm and, inexplicably, a picnic basket in the other. Fancy a jolly to Brighton? the angel asked, retrieving a bottle of sun cream from the basket and brandishing it in Curly's direction, looking pointedly at the demon's pale skin. Minor miracle to perform on the beach? Crowley cocked an eyebrow, reaching for his keys. How long are we going for? Just a day, Azurfell promised. I wouldn't ask, only... Only? Public transport Crowley on a day like this? Heavens above, how could you bear the burden? Azurfell was halfway through his next sentence before he registered the sarcasm dripping from the demon's voice. Yes, well, I thought it would at least keep you out of trouble for a day, stop you getting up to any mischief. Mischief? If we beat the traffic, we might have time for breakfast before duty calls. Azerophel rocked from foot to foot, glancing impatiently down the corridor. After a brief scuffle about who got to play DJ, Crowley reasoned it was pointless, all the tapes had been in the car for more than a fortnight, while Aziraphale was suspicious of being tricked into listening to Bebop. The Bentley sprang to life, and they weaved through London streets at a pace that saw Aziraphale's knuckle turn a whiter shade of pale before they bore right onto Aldwych. Chill out, Angel. Crowley dug a gentle elbow in his ribs. We've got a long way to go. I'll meet you back here in... Aziraphale paused to peer down at his watch. Three hours. Three hours? What am I supposed to do for three hours while you're off gallivanting? I'm not gallivanting. I'm working. Just stay out of trouble and I'll treat you to some chips. As Aziraphale slipped inside the church, Crowley hunkered down on the stone wall on the opposite side of the road. He pondered Aziraphale's last proposal. He did like chips. But did he like them more than... What did Aziraphale call it? Mischief? A half a second of deliberation confirmed that he did not, in fact, prefer chips to mischief, and so he stole around the side of the church, giving it an adequately wide berth to ingratiate himself with the waiters in the catering tent outside. Aziraphale loved weddings, always had. Couldn't resist stopping by to watch the happy couple emerge hands entwined, beaming with unadulterated joy as they started their new lives together. He had frequently been responsible for miraculous last-minute sunshine in April, for wedding bands suddenly having perfect pitch, for nieces and nephews remaining mercifully quiet during the vows. It was the sheer love of two beings choosing each other 
from amongst the billions that warmed his heart from the inside out. So whenever he could attend a wedding in a work capacity, he volunteered in a heartbeat. The ceremony had been magnificent. The groom had shed that all-important tear when he turned and saw his bride for the first time, breathtaking in a flowing white gown. The hymns had been word-perfect, Aziraphale playing a small part in muting a particularly enthusiastic, if potentially tone-deaf, aunt. And the first kiss had everybody in the congregation awing with the romance of it all. The bride and groom made their triumphant exit from the church, confetti and rice raining down on them as the photographer knelt low to get the best angle, while Aziraphale made his way to the catering tent on the far side of the green next door to the church and prepared for work. All right, Crowley asked, sidling up and offering him a pristine white shirt and black suit trousers. We can get changed in the pub toilets, apparently. Canapes are doing the rounds in 20 minutes. What are you doing here? Azurfell hissed, snatching the shirt and stalking off towards the pub. Do not follow me. Well, I can't very well get changed here next to the food, can I? Hygiene laws in that. Crowley loped alongside him, long legs making the distance in a matter of stride. I told you to stay out of trouble. I'm working. Crowley reached the pub first, held the door open, and let Aziraphale bustle past him. So am I. Fred called in sick, and they needed an extra pair of hands on the champagne duty. A lifesaver, they called me. Heavenly, some might say. I don't like to be watched. As they changed in side-by-side cubicles, Aziraphale's voice filtered over the dividing wall. Come again, Angel. Foot resting on top of the closed toilet lid as he tied the laces of shining black brogues, Crowley looked down at the gap between the cubicles, saw Aziraphale pacing in tight circles as he tried and failed to tie the prerequisite bow tie. I can't perform properly if I'm being watched. You know that voice rising with frustration as he wrenched the tie from his neck. Aziraphale slammed the cubicle door open and raced over to a mirror for a closer look. Starched collar standing at attention, Aziraphale threaded the strip of black satin fabric around his neck, attempted to slow his breathing, and tried the tie one more time. Tongue peeking out in concentration, he managed to get to the point of the bow resembling a limp shoelace before he wailed in fury and slung it into a nearby sink. I hate these infernal things. Crowley, who'd been quietly observing the meltdown from his own open cubicle, stepped forward to pick up the tie and shake it miraculously dry. He slid it around the angel's upturned collar, running his fingers across the back of Aziraphale's neck to smooth the fabric. Let me. Infernal things are more my area anyway. Deft fingers worked the fabric until it was knotted into a picture-perfect bow tie, while Aziraphale, watching the reflection in the mirror behind. Work complete, Crowley folded the collar down and rested his hands on Aziraphale's shoulders. See? Nothing to get angry about. Thank you. Aziraphale looked at him, smiled bashfully. You know I always get fidgety when I have to work with doves. Notoriously stubborn, the demon agreed. Don't think I've ever seen one behave at a wedding without a little divine encouragement. 
By the time he'd finished the sentence, Aziraphale was pulling at the collar of his shirt, sliding an index finger between his throat and the fabric to try and loosen the fit. Crowley watched him, amused, realizing this was why the angel preferred to pose as a wedding guest over a member of staff. He always hated modern suits, complained relentlessly that he couldn't breathe in a dress shirt. Leaning in towards the mirror, Crowley adjusted his glasses until they sat neatly on the bridge of his nose, eyes obscured from all angles. If there was one place where he didn't want to be rumbled, it was a stone's throw from the hallowed ground. His skin had already started to itch. You know, I think this is the first time I've ever seen you wearing white since, you know, look at you. I knew there was some angel in you. Aziraphale clapped a hand against his thigh in glee as Crowley met his eyes in the mirror, an eyebrow raised. I'm working on it, Angel. I really am. What was that, dear? Nothing. Looking down at his hands, he rubbed soap into them. Crowley pressed his lips together to hide a smirk. Better go. Mischief beckons. Crowley! Aziraphale bellowed, racing after him as the demon jogged down the pub steps and headed back towards the reception marquee. If you do, there will be no chips. We release these doves to celebrate Martha and Rory on their special day. These beautiful birds represent the love and peace that we pray you find every day in your new lives together. As the officiant unclipped the fastening on the white wicker basket, Aziraphale lowered his tray of champagne glasses and took a step forward, focusing his mind on nothing other than urging the little blighters to do what they were supposed to do and dramatically flit into the sky. Why did humans have such a preoccupation with doves anyway? Two snowy white birds spread their wings and flew gracefully up into the air, dark eyes twitching from left to right as they observed the assembled guests clapping below them. With the bride and groom framed in the shot, the photographer fiddled with the focus to snap the perfect picture as the doves ascended. The delighted cheers from the audience soon turned to gasps of horror as a black crow swung left out of nowhere and made straight for the doves, huge wings arcing up, unfurled in ebony, talon feet splayed wide. The doves escaped with a few ruffled feathers while the crow circled back and flew low over the crowd, sending a few particularly skittish guests running for the marquee, hands held high above their heads as they screamed in surprise. It came to rest on a low-hanging branch next to the catering station, where a tall figure in dark glasses was trying his best not to dissolve into hysterics. After slipping the crow a cube of melon, Crowley wiped his hands on the cloth napkin slung over his wrist and turned to find a seraphel storming away from the marquee, fist balled at his side. Come on, Angel, it was funny. I'm not talking to you. Seraphel picked up the pace, attempted to outstrike Crowley, who had the distinct advantage of being a number of inches taller in the leg department. By the time they'd reached the pier, Seraphel had to pause to double over and catch his breath while Crowley helpfully draped his coat over his back. You left this behind when you walked off for absolutely no reason. I know that was you. You can forget getting chips. Honestly, I am so angry with you. 
Arcade, Crowley suggested, biting into a golden fluffy chip and offering the last one to Aziraphale. Yes, fine. He'd been attempting to hold a grudge until at least the end of the afternoon, but as they shared a cone of chips and Crowley wittered on about his favorite spots in Brighton, he felt himself begin to soften. They were sitting side by side, on top of the stone seawall, legs swinging as a breeze rolled in from the sea and cooled the afternoon sunshine. It was a beautiful day, and, crow attack notwithstanding, work had all gone to plan quite nicely. The wedding had been a success, and he could file a report that evening with head office just in time for his next deadline. There was something about Brighton Pier that had always felt timeless to Aziraphale, He'd strolled down the promenade tens of times since the chain pier of the 1820s and loved returning to see how the area evolved over time. There was always a feeling of coming home, of nostalgia for something he couldn't quite place. And he felt it today, too, walking shoulder to shoulder with his sworn nemesis as they headed into the technological mecca of the arcade. As Aziraphale loved weddings, Crowley loved video games, specifically arcade games that were deemed impossible to defeat. He could spend hours trying to beat that one level that reduced grown adults to tears. He enjoyed the thrill of laboring over the game's mechanics, finally mastering them, claiming victory without a single miraculous intervention. He gave Aziraphale a fistful of change and sent him off to play Pac-Man while he set his sights on finally conquering Sinistar a new release that he'd been plugging away at for the best part of four months. As music thumped in the background, teenagers sprinted past towards claw machines, and his slush puppy began to thaw. Crowley centered himself and prepared to do battle once more. Son of a bitch, he hissed, just as the Sinistar bobbed across the screen, and he stabbed at the buttons just so, right hand wrapped around the joystick as he guided his ship around the obstacles. As the ship withered away after a fatal hit, Crowley pounded the machine with his fists and uttered a guttural roar of fury. Everything all right, dear? Aziraphale called over his shoulder, sighing happily as he guided Pac-Man towards a cherry in the center of the screen. Conceived by Satan himself, Crowley seethed, slipping another coin into the machine and rolling his shoulders back to assume the position. This time, when the Sinistar made its appearance, Crowley was one step ahead. He dodged, spun, and shot Cinnabombs to perfection until, finally, the screen strobe yellow and red, and those merciful words appeared. Congratulations, you defeated the Sinistar. Yes! He jumped back in surprise. Both hands clapped to his forehead in shock. I did it! I bloody did it! Everybody, I did it! While the rest of the crowd in the arcade politely ignored his effusive celebrations, Crowley frantically typed his name into the high score screen, feeling the thrill of victory course through his body. Score like that warranted something special to celebrate. More chips, perhaps. Maybe they could... Wait? The thought died in his mind before he had a chance to finish it. That score! He leaned in closer to the screen, peered over his glasses to make out the last three digits of his high score. AJC, 39,600.
and 66. Crowley's blood was pretty cold as blood went, serpentine origins and all that, but a deep freeze took a hold of his circulatory system as realization dawned on him. He stood very still, counted backwards from ten in an attempt to calm himself, and turned to face Aziraphale. Aziraphale, he said lightly, leaning over the angel's shoulder as he attempted to outmaneuver a particularly dedicated ghost. Yes, Crowley? Been up to any, um, mischief? His voice rose with every word until he was fairly sure. Only dogs could hear him. How dare you? I did nothing of the sort. Aziraphale fussed with the pocket of his coat, looked down at his shoes, up at the screen, anywhere except directly at Crowley. Eventually, under the demon's piercing gaze, he confessed, sort of, just like you didn't have anything to do with the crow earlier. Crowley opened his mouth to speak, then shook his head and extended a hand. Touché. Truce? With the setting sun behind them, the angel and demon drove back to London with the windows down and salt on their skin. Music blasted from the Bentley speakers and Aziraphale, despite not knowing a single lyric, hummed along while pretending to conduct the particularly rousing instrumental sections. With one hand resting lazily on the steering wheel, and the other curled around the back of Aziraphale's seat. Crowley watched the road rise up ahead of them and smiled at the jackpot he won in the infernal enemy stakes. <laughs>